Would you go to Hebrews this evening, please? Ready to spend some time in the Word? The Word can do what nothing else in your life can do. It changes you even when you don't realize it's changing you. It's beyond what you perceive with your intellect. The Word of God is alive, the Scripture said. It's living. It's quick. It's powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. That's getting in there. Isn't it? Getting in there. Is the word going to get in you like that tonight? Has it been getting in you? It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What else can get in you to that degree? I mean into your marrow. (laughs) Into the intents of your heart. The word of God. You know what you're sitting on was created when God opened his mouth and spoke. You and I, everything you see and feel. Well, it stands to reason then that what he created through his words would be affected by his words and altered and changed. And the Bible said, as we behold, like in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we're changed into what we're seeing, into that likeness and image from glory to glory by the Spirit. Of the living God. And that's going to happen some more tonight. Hebrews 6. Now we began a few weeks ago. A series. We're calling. Diligence. Diligence. And we're going to go further into it tonight. Hebrews 6. And verse 10. God is not unrighteous. To forget your work. And labor of love which you've showed toward his name. And that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Now let's just stop here. God is not unrighteous to forget what? Your work. Somebody say work. Work Work is God's idea. Work pleases him. He remembers our righteous work. Doesn't he? Jesus said, the harvest is great, the what? Hmm? Bible thumpers, tape players, seat warmers, no, what, what? Laborers, what are we short on? Labor, workers. Another translation said, the workers are few. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send Laborers, workers, somebody say workers, workers Workers into the harvest field. What do we need more of? Not just church goers. (laughs) Did you know most church congregations could accomplish the same thing they're doing right now on a fifth of the congregation? Some a tenth. Why? Why? Because the rest of the folk <laughs> just come once in a while, but are not doing anything. They, they don't give, they don't pray, they don't work, they're not on a part of a team, they don't, they don't do anything. 
And people get annoyed when you say that kind of thing. Don't they? We've had people write us little notes and little ugly grams. And, you know? Why can't I just come to church and that be good enough? Well, you're talking to the wrong person. <laughs> this is not my idea. <laughs> you tell the Lord. Talk to him about it. See what he says to you. If he says it's fine with him, I'm fine with it. I'm cool with it. <laughs> no, all of us have been put here for a purpose. And there's more to it than punching a clock, cleaning the house. Come on now, cutting the grass. <laughs> Making retirement. There's more to it than that. Every one of us have a God purpose, a kingdom purpose. The sad thing is that millions, even of believers in the Lord, go their whole life and never find it and never do it. They're too busy just living life. But friend, in a few more breaths, in a few more days, this thing's going to be over. We're out of here soon, one way or the other. And so... It is imperative, it is so important that we find out why we are here and what we can do to help advance God's work. And if you're not doing it, friend, don't waste another day. Uh, don't, Don't be annoyed with me. Get with God. Pray about this. Look at it seriously until you find out what my part is, what I can do. And if, if this church is not it... Okay, fine. There's a lot of good churches and a lot of good works, but find where you fit. Don't just bounce around and do nothing for the next 20 years. You can't afford it. Right? Find where you fit. And then when you find where you fit, don't just sit. (laughs) Work. Right? We don't know what to do. Let me tell you how you do it. Volunteer for everything. The reason I'm standing here in front of you tonight is because that's what I did. What, 25 plus years ago, the Lord sent Phyllis and I to to Ramah, and I got my direction. Help Brother Hagen. Now that's too simple for some folks, but that was my directive for the next 20 plus years. Help Brother Hagen. And I thought, well, man, he's got a lot of people around him. He's got a lot of stuff around him. Now, what would he need me for? The Lord didn't tell me to figure any of that out. What did he say? Help, Brother Hagen. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. I'm just a little young, wet behind the ears guy. Don't know the word. Don't know how to preach. Don't know much about faith. Don't know much about anything. But the Lord told me, help him. How am I going to do that? He don't even know me. He doesn't have to know you. Lord said, help him. So he said they needed people to uh, help uh, register folks when they came to healing school. I thought, oh, he needs help. Brother Hagen needs help. (laughs) So they used me. They need people to help uh, do this and help uh, talk to people after the service if they need to get saved or if they want to be filled with the Spirit or prayed for. Oh, Brother Hagen needs help. He didn't call me out individually and say, Keith, I need help. The Lord already talked to me personally. And he's more important than him. Right? He told me to help him. 
Well, throughout the course of those 20 years, that help included everything from packing bags, hauling suitcases, driving cars, shopping for soap and bread, to singing on the platform, to taking whole meetings for him, teaching in Rama Bible Training Center. You might know what I'm talking about. Well, what if I hadn't raised my hand on the first thing, though? There wouldn't have been a second and a third. And if that hadn't happened, would I be looking at you tonight? How would I get from there to here? Anybody know what I'm talking about now? You've got to be willing. And see, people are so job description oriented nowadays. Right? And if it's not within their job description, they're not open to it. And I know you might laugh and think I'm making this up, but we have had numerous folks that would volunteer, but specified only if it's something on the platform. (laughs) You know, if we need somebody to sing a special or to preach a message, they're available for that. Well, if you're not available for the other stuff, you're not qualified for that. Can you see that, friends? But, Brother Hagen, my father in the faith, said, you know, that after the Lord began to advance his ministry and prosper him and increase him, he said he'd see people, ministers, that are just doing nothing. He said some of them just had amazing speaking ability, great orators, he said, but they just not, not doing anything to amount to much. And, and said they'd see him and said, now, if you hear of anything big come up, let me know. You know, if you hear of a big church come up, if you hear of a big meeting come up, hear of anything big, let me know. Well, why are they talking to him? Because now he's getting into the bigger things. But while they're sitting around waiting for something big, he was preaching on the street corner. To anybody that listened to him. He was holding meetings for 10 and 15. That's what I did too. I don't know at the times I preached to 10 people. Fifteen people. We had healing school for years. I'm talking, I'm talking about for a service. That was the crowd. I remember one day it was snowy and bad weather and nobody came. It was just me and David Horton there. So you know what we did? We preached to each other. <laughs> I said, you sit still. I'll preach to you. When I get through, you can preach to me. Because we're round, wound up and ready to go. Ain't nobody here. We're here. (laughs) If you're not willing to minister to the one, you're not qualified to minister to the thousands. People don't listen in mass. People don't receive in mass. You're listening right now by yourself. Right? People listen one at a time. (laughs) did you find your text yet God's not unrighteous to forget our what our work and our labor should you have some work should you have something for the Lord to remember (laughs) somebody say work how can you bless nothing Ten times zero is what? Zero. What about a hundred times zero? zero? Huh? Still zero? zero. What about a thousand times zero? 
Just still zero. What about 10 million times zero? Still just one little old bitty nothing. (laughs) You got to give the Lord something to bless. Right? You got to put your hand to something. Give him something to increase. Something to multiply. How many remember the Bible talking about prospering what you set your hand to? Remember that? What you put your hand to. Prospering. Let me remind you of that and read you some of these scriptures. You don't have to turn to all these. But let me just read a few of them to you to stir you up. The scripture says in Deuteronomy 23.20. He said that the Lord your God may bless you in all that you set your hand to. Deuteronomy 15.10. Same thing. The Lord will bless you in all your works and all you put your hand to. Deuteronomy 28.8. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses in all that you set your hand to. In all that what? Now we believe in Deuteronomy 28. The blessings will come on you and overtake you when you go out, when you come in. In your basket, in your store. But how many understand this is right in the middle of it? It's what you set your hand to. Well, what if you don't set your hand to anything? Well, there's nothing to bless. How could the Lord bless this church and we didn't start this church? Hmm? Wonder how many churches that should be blessed and flourishing don't even exist. You hear what we're saying here? Well, what about things in our life? Wonder how many things we could be enjoying. God could have been prospering and multiplying if we'd have done it. (laughs) Every one of us, every one of us in this place could be rich, 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 rich by now. If we'd have done everything the Lord told us to do. Hmm? I'm talking me and you. How many things have we not done that he brought up in us to do? You know, you can miss it. It it can just come like a thought. But you didn't take time to look at it. Pray about it. See if it was God or not. You're too busy to fool with it. Hmm? Or just living so carnally that the things of God are vague and indistinct. That's where so many folks fall. Hmm? He brought it to us. But we just let it get away from us just like a thought that passed through our mind and thought, wow, you know, that's an interesting idea. I never thought about it again for the next 40 years. Wonder if you'd have done it. (laughs) Wonder if you'd have done it. I mean, you and I are sitting in here looking at each other tonight, but there was a time when this was just a thought in mine and Phyllis's head. So many of you, your families, your businesses, your ministries, do you remember When it didn't exist out here, it was just a thought and something in your heart. Well, God has some more things like that for us, doesn't he? But when he gives them to you, you got to take them seriously, don't you? And then when you see that it's him and you're supposed to do it, you got to be diligent with it, get with it, stay with it, put your hand to it. And when you do, you're giving him something to bless. 
giving him something to increase, something to prosper. Can you see that? Instead of the multiplication being time zero, it's time something. You're giving him something, something to bless, something to work with. The Bible said in Deuteronomy 28, 12, he says it again. The Lord is going to open to you his good treasure, the heaven to give rain to your land and to bless all the work of your hand and you'll lend to many nations and not borrow. But before being able to lend and not needing to borrow, before that was the phrase, all the work of your hand. I think some people got the wrong idea about faith. They think all there is to the increase of God is laying on the couch making confessions. But you got to read the rest of the Bible. Said, hold your hands up. Said out loud, He'll prosper. What I put my hand to. He'll bless. He'll increase the work of my hands. It's Bible. It's written. Phyllis and I were talking uh, oh, a week or so ago about a certain situation. Somebody we knew that was having some financial difficulty. And uh, I told her, I said, I said, yeah, but people like that are the ones that become really, really rich. Did you know a lot of the, the folks that are super wealthy today, they lost it all three or four times? Huh? Do you know that? Go, you know, go back, look at some autobiographies and, and some of the current business people that are hugely successful today. I mean, some of them lost it all. I mean, lost it all. Not once, not twice, three, four, and five times. Well, why are they on top today, though? Because they hit it the sixth time. <laughs> They're just go-getters, right? They're not going to quit. But see, so many people won't even step out on anything. They're afraid it might not work. So nothing ventured. Nothing accomplished. Nothing for God to bless. But see, a person like I was talking about, about this young man. I mean, he'd take big chances. But what if it all goes south? What if he loses it all? Well, to him, it's not over. He's like, well, oops. <laughs> that didn't work. <laughs> but he ain't through. He'll be on the phone tomorrow. He'll be knocking on somebody's door the next day. He's got a new plan. He's got a new project. Right? <laughs> Diligent. And you stay after it. Even people that don't know God. They've got a biblical principle at work for them, don't they? Amen. They got faith Amen. and diligence. Yes, Someone said, faith? How could you have faith and they don't know God? They believe they can succeed. Yes, they believe they will succeed. Yes, even if they're not talking to God. That's right. Now, if they'd have talked to God <laughs> and been led by the Spirit, they wouldn't have had to go bust the first five times. But just the simple principle of faith that I can make it, that I will make it, and the diligence to not quit, you'll succeed just in the natural. 
Can you see this? How much more should it be so when we love God with all of our heart, when we're praying people, tongue-talking, spirit-led folks, tithing people, sowing people. But the problem is, a lot of these people, these tongue-talking, church-going, Bible-toting, tithing people are lazy when it comes to the business side and to the work side. They want to just make confessions and do nothing. Well, let's put them together. I said, let's put them together. Let's put together the Bible principles that some folk in the world's already got working for them with our faith and being led by the Spirit. And it won't take us long. We'll be coming up to a new place. Now, if you say, well, I don't care about all that, then you won't be bothered with it. If I got enough for something to eat and a place to live, that's all I care about. Well, then you're selfish. Hmm? And spiritually lazy. If you want to get by on just a little, that's your decision. But there's a whole kingdom of God that needs to be advanced. There's people everywhere that needs help. Right? And God has given us the direction. To take this gospel to the whole world. Hasn't he? And to occupy till he comes. Hasn't he? In uh, Deuteronomy 28, 8 and 12, we saw that. Deuteronomy 30, he says it again. The Lord your, this is 30 verse 9, Deuteronomy. The Lord your God will make you plenteous in every work of your hand. Somebody say work of my hand. Do you see the principle? We've seen re- repeatedly. You'll see it throughout the scripture. But God blesses and prospers what you set your hand to. Now go to Ecclesiastes, the ninth chapter, and you'll see a verse that uh, a lot of people quote, and this is what they're referring to, whether they quote it or misquote it. Ecclesiastes 9. What are we talking about? Diligence. Diligence. And we're looking at Ecclesiastes, the ninth chapter, and the tenth verse. Are you there? What does it say? Whatever your hand finds to do, do what? Do it. With your might, for there's no work nor device nor knowledge nor wisdom in the grave where you go. (laughs) Another translation says there'll be no work or planning there. Uh, The message says it like this. Whatever turns up, grab it and do it. Heartily and heartily. Somebody say do it. And do it now. And do it well. Say those two last ones again. Do it now. Do it well. Now we, we looked up the word diligence in the beginning of our study. Can anybody remind me of what some of the words are that define this word? Vehement is a literal word. And that means with intensity. With passion. 
What's some other words we saw? Hmm? Early, speedily, promptly. Let's focus on that. Somebody say prompt. Prompt. Is that what he's saying here too? Whatever your hand finds to do, do it heartily. Get on it. Romans talks about don't be slothful, but be fervent in spirit. Somebody say prompt. Now we're going to talk about that some more, but let me read some other translations of this. The New Living Translation says, whatever you do, do well. Say that out loud. Whatever you do, do well. Another translation, the Jewish Bible says, whatever task comes your way to do, do it with all your strength. Whatever work you do, another one says, do your best. Every time you find work to do, do it the best you can. Whatever your hand is able to do, do it earnestly. Are we getting this? Is it okay to play around with it? Lorder around with it? Wait around with it? I thank God for the training that my natural parents gave me. And my spiritual parents. Phyllis and I received good training from our natural parents and our spiritual parents. I know uh, my mom and my dad give us boys tasks to do. And man, if it wasn't done promptly, we heard about it. Or felt it. (laughs) And that's a good thing. We weren't able to just... Lord her around and put it off and put it off and put it off and put it off. We weren't able to do that. It was supposed to be done by a certain time. And if it wasn't done and done right, we got in trouble. I thank God for that. I said, I thank God for that. We live in a society today that is far too lax in these areas. Parents that are far too lax with their children. They'll give them a job to do. It may not get done in three months. Or ever. And it may not be half done. Just slopped over. Messed with. Played with. And not done. Friend, if you do that with your children, you're preparing them for failure. You're preparing them to get passed over instead of promoted. You're preparing them to get fired. Because people are going to put up with that out in the world. Right? Companies can't make it like that. They need somebody that will do it and do it now and do it well. Somebody say, do it now. Do it it well. well. I mean, there's there's employers everywhere looking for folks like this, aren't they? Everywhere. Everywhere. And we were (laughs) talking, one of this businesswoman that we were talking to just this week that I referred to earlier was telling us she was older. And uh, she was telling us about some, some young folks. Uh, well, you know, in their late teens, that they had hired to do some cleaning for them. And uh, they never came, they never showed up that morning. She she went and found them. At their house, they were still in the bed. She got them up. <laughs> Said, you're supposed to be at work. Well, they, they did that another time or two. And her husband said, you can't do that. Don't you go get them again. They're fired. Hmm? But why would they think they could lay up and sleep and not go to work and, and still, you know, have a job. There's a lot of people think that, don't they? Yeah. 
that they can just goof around and do things halfway. No, whatever, we're talking about the Bible now, not just somebody's opinion or idea. Whatever your hand finds to do. How many understand this would include things that some think are menial? What did it say? Whatever. Whatever. And you saw that in the other translations. Whatever. Not just the big important jobs. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it heartily. Do it with all your might. Do it now and do it well. Say it again. Do it now and do it well. That's what being diligent is. Do it now. And do it well. I know I was with a well-known minister. This is a few years ago. And we went to a, a restaurant. A nicer restaurant. And this young guy was out parking the cars. And, and bringing them around. And uh, we got ready to go. And, and this guy. He drug around getting the car out. And, and uh, he and he said. Uh, the, the man that was with me. The minister. He said you got changed for such a sense. He said. Ah. Uh, I don't know. I think I do. He said, I'll just forget it. Yeah. He started to walk off. And he, he, he said, no. He said, come here, young man. He said, I'm going to help you. He said, you just missed a $50 tip. Yeah. <laughs> Why? He said, because you're sloppy and dragging around and you didn't have change for 100 He said, are you serious about this or not? He said, well, then be prompt, be ready, have your change in your pocket, have it ready, have it separated, be prompt, be yes, sir, do it now, do it well. He said, your tips will just go right up. And he was right. Most of the time, you can't stop and talk to people like that, they just get mad anyway. But this is stuff they should have got at home. Are you with me now? Stuff they should have got when they're five years old. Well, let's don't let that be said about us faith life people, right? Let's us, ourselves and our kids and our grandkids be some of the sharpest, most diligent, most ready, most prepared, most prompt, right? Why? Because that glorifies God. That adorns the gospel Of the Lord Jesus. I'm quoting scripture. These kind of things adorn the gospel. What does that mean? It makes the gospel look good to outsiders. Doesn't it? Boy, it's music to my ears. When I talk to pastors. And they've got people that I taught in Raymond Bible Training Center. And they said, man, I wish I had 20 more just like them. You talk about workers and respect and people that know how to submit. He said, man, I wish I had 20 more just like them. It's that way in church. It's that way in business. It's that way everywhere. Said out loud, we will be honoring God. Diligent people. Ecclesiastes 9.11, he said, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Did you turn to another scripture? Did I give it to you yet? You didn't pick it up? (laughs) Procrastination. Uh, (laughs) 
Go to Exodus while you're there in the Old Testament. Procrastination is a manifestation of lack of diligence. The opposite of diligence. If diligence is prompt and speedy, then what would the opposite of that be? Slow and not prompt. What is not prompt? Well, late. Put it off. Put it off. And and we need to get into this tonight because so many people, they're not saying they won't do it. They're not saying they're not going to do it. What are they saying? Later. I, I get to it. I get to it. Well, just give me some more time. I'll get to it. That is not being diligent. In Matthew 25, I know you're in Exodus, but just listen to this. Don't turn there. But in Matthew 25, Jesus told the story of the virgins that came for the marriage. You remember that? And part of them were ready and prepared and part of them were not. Remember that? While the bridegroom tarried, anybody remember? Part of them ran out of oil because part of them took extra oil with them. Hmm? Why did they take extra oil with them? Why? Let me tell you the bottom line why this was important to them. This was important to them and they're in it for the duration. And they wanted to be able to stay there as long as they needed to and be ready. If you have to get ready, you're not ready. You ever heard this? Are you ready? And they say, almost. Just about. What does that mean? You're not ready. In a minute. Just about. (laughs) Do you know it is pride and selfishness? To make people wait on you all the time? We mean pride, Brother Key. You're acting like, and apparently you think, your time is more valuable than everybody else's. And it's perfectly fine for them to wait on you all the time. And of course, selfish. It ought to bother you if people have to wait on you. For no good reason. Well, we're having fun now, aren't we? <laughs> Well, this is Faith Life Church. Right? You didn't forget where you were at, did you? <laughs> what do we care about? We care about the Word. That's it. The truth. If it makes me look bad, so be it. I want it. If it makes you look bad, well, so be it. You want it, don't you? Why? Because the truth will make you free. There's reasons why things are not happening in people's lives. You know, Phyllis and I are leaders of the church and and ministry. And uh, business people I know are the same way. There's times that we would get ready to do something. And uh, anybody that's had any success has learned you got to be flexible and you got to be ready to go at a moment's notice. Right? And not mess around. And so there's some people we've called on here and there to do things. And it take them half a day to get ready and get there. We're saying, you know, if they don't change, we can't use them. 
Can't do that. Someone say, well, well, just tell them. They've heard it before. <laughs> We're hearing it now. Right? And if you wouldn't listen to the Lord, you wouldn't listen to me. Are y'all with me now? If you're never ready, you're not going to get used. You're going to miss out on rich things and enjoyable things that should have been yours. These uh, five virgins that weren't ready, did they miss out? While they were gone, trying to get stuff together because they weren't ready, they weren't prepared, the bridegroom came. And those that were ready entered in. And the other ones missed it. What's the bottom line to that story? That's what he said after that. Be ready. Ready is not getting ready. Almost ready is not ready. (laughs) Just smile now. Smile. Look straight ahead. (laughs) If you want to be used of God. Got to be ready. When he calls on you. It can't take you three days to get ready. I know uh, I was in a meeting some year. One one of the first larger meetings that I was in with Brother Hagin. And I mean first night he was there. Dear me the anointing was so strong. And the revelation on me first night. Boom right out of the gate. Boom it was just wonderful. And a fellow sitting beside me, he said, man, he sure got ready for this meeting. I started to nod my head and the Lord spoke to me. He said, no, he didn't. He lives ready. (laughs) He's been getting ready for this meeting for 50 years. (laughs) He lives ready. So people talk about when they see a church or a ministry just spring up and flourish. Man, that was overnight success. Uh Uh-uh. No, I don't think so. No, God uses the people who are ready, ready. And so you got so many people with this mentality. Well, if something comes up that's worthwhile, I'll get ready for it. Doesn't work that way. If by faith you get ready. Come on, are you with me now? See, that's unbelief. Wait and see if we need to get ready. I was talking about our spiritual parents. Helped us tremendously. When I first came there and we first began to help them. Phyllis was talking about the other day. Mom Hagen just went home to be with the Lord. And she, her in her 80s, we traveled with them. But then, you know, even at home, Phyllis would be helping her with something. And she'd get up and she's getting cleaned up and dressed up and putting her makeup on. And and Phyllis says, you know, Mom, you're just going to stay at the house today. You know, do you have to get dressed up? And boy, I mean, she kind of let you know right quick, didn't she? She said, we're in the ministry. We don't know when we might get called upon. See, she'd lived like that for all these years. Oh, do you see this, friend? Do you hear this mentality? But see, we live in a sloppy generation today, right? Where people just goof off and lay around. And if anything comes up, we'll hurry and try to get ready. Well, no, you won't get used. God's going to use somebody that's ready. Faith gets ready not knowing the details, not knowing the time. I know uh, one of the first times Brother Hagin called me up on the platform and the Lord gave us a spiritual song. And uh, it took me a little bit to maneuver around and finally get it. It was new to me. 
And he and mom, after the service, were uh, telling me that it was good. And I'm real young, of course. And I said, well, you know, if I don't get it first time around, I'll eventually get it. They both stopped and looked at me stern. They said, get it the first time. And I was a little bit taken aback, like some of you were. (laughs) And it took me actually a few years to understand why they did that. I just thought that was a little bit rude. (laughs) Are y'all with me or not? Why would that annoy me? Why would it annoy you? Because you think you got the right to mess around with it hmm, and get it in your own good time and good way. It was just the Lord. I mean, they were, they were being nice to me. They were smiling. They were patting me on the back, telling me I did a good job. And I said, well, you know, I might not get it the first two or three times, but eventually I, I mean, both of them just snapped their eyes on me and they said, get it the first time. If we don't get it the first time, it should not be because of lack of preparation and effort. Right? See, that this the, the spirit that's in the world has gotten in the church. This lazy, lax. See, we're still suffering from the rebellion of the 50s and 60s. Nothing sacred. Nothing's holy. You don't have to get ready for anything. Oh, it'll be okay. That's good enough. That's fine. Oh, we'll just go like we are. Oh, no need to get ready for that. Ah, ah, ah. What is that ah? What spirit is in that? Negligence. Lazy. Why? Because it takes effort to do the other. But if we're serving God, does he deserve any less? Then the best we can do for him. If we come short. It ought not be because of laziness. And slothfulness. Somebody say diligence. Diligence. Is the will of God. Don't plan on having to do it three times before you get it right. Plan on getting it right the first time. Put everything you can into it the first time. If you didn't make it. Well hit it again. But don't plan on messing around. Having to redo it four times is not okay. Some folks going to have to think about that some more. Don't take my word for it. Take it to the book. Take it to these scriptures. Examine it in the light of these, please. Uh, where are you right now? You don't think I have time for all that right now. Where were you in Ecclesiastes? I should have left you there. Go back to Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter. And then we'll go back to Proverbs, the third chapter. Ecclesiastes 5 and Proverbs 3. Is the Lord helping us on this? I'm excited about it because I'm getting to share things. I don't know when I've shared some of these things. Some of these personal things. It's just the grace of God. There was no place for it, no cause for it. But I'm telling you. God's bringing us up to a higher level. How many think God's army ought to look good? How many think the rows ought to be straight? The uniforms ought to be buttoned? Huh? I mean, you go to the uh, graduations nowadays. 
So many of them pitiful. Everybody's got their caps, you know, in 90 different positions and and they got all kind of different shoes on and, and there's no continuity. Why? Because, well, what difference does it make? Hmm? And what it is, somebody said, well, it ain't no big deal. It is a big deal because that mentality runs through the whole person. And not just on graduation night, every day. And people feel free to do it their own way. If and when they get ready to. And this is becoming more and more pervasive. All you got to do is do business to find that out. (laughs) Have you ever gone to a business and people waited on you if they wanted to? When they wanted to? According to how they felt like it? The mentality of being professional and being prompt and being sharp and representing the company has been lost in some circles. Hasn't it? It's all about the individual and what I'm feeling today and what I'm going through. And you ought to be glad that I wait on you at all. You ought to be glad that somebody's here. That mentality is around. Isn't it? Should not be in a child of God. Right. Because last week, remember, we got into it. We saw in Colossians, whatever you do, do it how? Do it as unto the Lord. What if the Lord came in there and rang that bell? What if he came in and walked through the door? What if he came in? You supposed to stay on the cell phone for another 15 minutes? I'll be with you in a minute, Jesus. <laughs> you know, uh, there's something I regret in my own personal life. I was real young. I should have known better, though. I've been serving with Brother Hagen maybe a year. I didn't know him personally. He didn't know me. But he came by where I was to see me. Came, walked in the door, sat down in the chair. And I, uh, I was on the phone with somebody, and it was a significant thing going on. And I let him sit there for probably, I don't know, five minutes or ten. And he got up and walked out. Now, for 20 years after that, <laughs> I did better. <laughs> But to this, why am I telling you that today? Because to this day, I regret that. That was, and it wasn't out of, you know, something malicious. It was ignorant. I thought this was important. And you might have agreed if you know, if I told you what it was. But the man that I'm supposed to be serving in God has walked in my door. You know, I'm supposed to be, this is his ministry I'm in. What's supposed to happen? Everything else is supposed to stop. Are you with me now? But I, you know, I was ignorant. That's one way you learn. I mean, my heart was bothering me so bad by the time I hung up that phone. And I did send word to uh, apology to him. And he just said, hmm. (laughs) But like I said, thank God I had another 20 years to try to (laughs) do differently and make up for it. And some people might, you know, they, it, one, one guy asked me one time in a service where he was, and he called me up to, to do something in the service, and I almost ran to the platform and up the stairs. And he asked me, why would you do that? Why would you run? Well, there's a number of reasons why. One of them was this experience that I had. 
I've told you all this before, but it'll bear repetition because we're talking about diligence. I was helping him in his services, singing for him at the end of the service. And also a young lady there uh, was Patsy Beerman at the time, Patsy Caminetti. She and I were singing and playing. And at the end of the service, we'd get up and come sing, dismiss the service. We'd start off the service singing and playing announcements, all that kind of thing. And uh, toward he was speaking. Toward the end of the service, he said, uh, y'all come on and get ready to close it up. And we sat there, not long, but a little bit. And I asked her, I said, well, you want to take it? She said, you can. I don't care. I said, well, you go ahead and sing. I don't care. She said, no, you do. (laughs) Somebody say young Young. and ignorant. ignorant. Mm -hmm. That's why young people need leaders. Hmm? And they need to listen to them. And leaders need to do what a leader's supposed to do. Like mom and dad Hagen look at me and say, you better get it the first time. We need this. I got three people agreeing with me. (laughs) If you want God's best, if you want to be used in the the bigger things of God, there is no other way. You got to make some changes. The spiritual life is a disciplined life. Being fleshly and carnal is the way of slothfulness and sloppiness. Well, anyway, I don't know how many minutes passed. wasn't too long, but, it, but then again, it was too long. <laughs> Brother Hagin looked over in front of the whole crowd. He looked at us. He said, well, if I'd have known it was going to take you that long, I wouldn't even have called on you. Somebody said, that's harsh. We knew better. I said, we knew better. Well, we needed something to, to stir us up. Now see, if pastors did that in some churches, they'd lose half the congregation. (laughs) And that's why some of their congregations remain small and ineffective decade after decade. Because people are not there to believe God. They're not there to grow up. They're not there to work. They're there to be babied. Well, God's got to have somebody. That wants to grow up. Somebody that wants to be trained. Somebody that's willing to receive instruction. Even rebukes. And discipline. Hmm? And work. And get this job done. Somebody hold up your hand and say me. Me. I volunteer. volunteer. Train me Lord. Lord. Teach me. me. I want to grow up. I want to be diligent. I can take it. I can take correction. I can take reproof. I want it. Help me. Amen. Now don't get offended. Get your feelings hurt when it comes. I was honest with you. I mean, my feelings got hurt a little bit that first time when they looked at me and said that. Well, it's just because I was a baby. I needed to grow up. Now I'm thanking God for it. I said, now I'm thanking God for it. He didn't say that just out of the flesh. He loves me. He wants to see me attain higher places. And you know, with that sloppy attitude, I won't get there. Parents that love their children will be that way with them too. Boy, I told you to do that this afternoon. Why didn't you do it? Why did you slop over it like that? Good parents will do this in love. Right? They won't just let it go. And let it go and act like, ah, it's okay, daddy will get it. 
Go in there, it's hot. You know, go in there and sit down. You're preparing them for failure. You're preparing them to be passed over. Where are you? Ecclesiastes 5. I want to remind you that this is not my opinion. (laughs) This is the word of God. (laughs) Oh, help us, Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Ecclesiastes 5, are you there? And verse 4. When you vow, vow to God, what? Defer not. What does defer mean? Some say delay. A good phrase is to put off. What's the opposite of diligence? Procrastination. Putting it off. Putting it off. Somebody say putting it off. Now if the Lord tells you to wait, then you wait. You wait in faith. But when you just wait and keep putting it off because of laziness of the flesh, that's not right. It's not good. When you know what to do, do it now and do it well. L- listen to this and observe this. You see people that's always, well, how, how shall I say it? They, they never have time. They're always out of time and always got too much to do. You talk to them about, oh, I, I got so much to do. I'm so far behind, I I don't have the time. I don't have the time. These are folk who are not diligent. I got this from the Lord. Because I I made the mistake of telling him that one time. That I didn't know where I was going to get the time. (laughs) To do something. Like he didn't know. (laughs) And he spoke to me, I don't mean to heard an audible voice. But he said, son, if you don't have plenty of time. To do what I direct you to do, you are wasting time. Did you hear that now? Now, I didn't think I was till he said that. But once he said it, I started looking and, and of course, he's right. And the people who are, never have enough time, they're always behind. They are wasting vast amounts of time. Just wasting it. People who do little tend to do less. People who do a lot tend to do more. Have you seen that? Yes, indeed. People that are on the ball, they'll take on another project. Won't they? Yes, sir. Why? Because <laughs> they, they'll figure out how to do it. But people who are slack, they always act like they're overloaded all the time. Ah, oh, I just don't think I can take anything else. Oh, I'm so far behind now. I just don't have the time. Watch it. People that are talking like that are not diligent people. They are wasting gobs of time. And now because they're wasting all this time, stuff's backing up on them. Stuff's They're doing other stuff instead of what they should be doing. I wish this was more fun for us. I got to get into something else. Can you spare the time? Hmm? Uh, where are you Ecclesiastes 5 let me finish reading this then we're going to go to another verse 
When you vow, vow to God, the, the Young's literal says, delay not to complete it. Say, delay not. Delay not to complete it. The NIV says, do not delay in fulfilling it. The New Living says, don't delay in following through. When you say you're going to do something, what do you do? Don't delay. Don't put it off. Don't defer. What's our two phrases tonight? Do it now. And do it well. Is this Bible? It is. The Message Bible says, when you tell God you'll do something, do it. Now. God takes no pleasure in foolish gabble. Vow it, then do it. Now, 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 what's he talking about? Don't defer to do it. What does defer mean? Put it off. Don't defer it. Don't put it off. You said you're going to do it. Don't have people have to call you three or four times. When are you going to do that? You said you're going to fix that. When are you going to fix it? You said you're going to pay that. When are you going to pay it? Hmm? It's unchristlike. It's ungodly to put it off. Put it off. Put a, well, check with me next week. That's what you said last week. Well, I know, but check with me next week. People act like they're just struggling and victim of circumstances and they just can't get it all together. But the truth is, they're wasting gobs of money. They're spending it on other stuff or else they'd have it to pay you. (laughs) Wasting time, wasting money and putting people off. And it's been used so much until if you tell somebody you'll do it next week. Hardly anybody believes it anymore. Are the checks in the mail? Or I'll mail it tomorrow? So many people are such liars. So let them get, let them experience something refreshingly new. <laughs> let them experience a revelation. You said you would do it. And you did it now. And you did it well. You'll leave them with their mouth hanging open. They'll go. <laughs> Who was that we were talking to? I know half the time we're dealing with other businesses, people want to hire Phyllis. They say, could you come work for us? They're my big companies. Why? Because four people told her it couldn't be done or it couldn't be done till next year. And she stayed on it and our staff stayed on it and it was done by the end of next week. And, and then the company say, would you like to come work for us? Why? Because, help me Jesus, people are used to bureaucracy and red tape up over your head and well, we'll check into it. Uh, When? Well, you know, we may not get to it right away, but eventually... We'll, we'll get to, why can't they get to you right away? Why, why can't they? Cause they got to watch some more TV and drink some more coffee and get off early. Did you hear me? And do it again tomorrow. And eventually when it piles up, 
until everybody's about to get fired or the business is going to go down. They had to come in and actually work one day. And that hurts them. They're like, oh man, it's about killed me today. <laughs> it's too quiet in here. <laughs> no, he said, when you tell God you'll do something, do it now. And we're saying from other scripture, do it well. Do it well. Now, go with me to First Thessalonians. I, I thought I was about done, but I'm not quite done. You got time for me to be diligent and thorough? I don't want to leave off part of it here. I want to, I want to do it now. <laughs> and do it well. You got your job. I got mine. Let me, let me finish mine up. First Thessalonians. I, I know this is close to home. I know some people don't like to hear it, but your flesh is what doesn't like to hear it. Your spirit wants to hear it. Because it's an answer to questions why some things haven't been working for you. Why your prosperity hasn't already manifest. Come on now. Why you hadn't found that perfect man or woman yet. Are you listening? It's been the mercy of God. That you haven't met them yet. Because you're not ready. They might look at you and just keep walking. What kind of person are you looking for? A slob? A lazy bum? Well, they're not looking for one either. <laughs> what kind of person are you looking for? Single people. Single people. Help me out. What kind of person are you looking for? You're looking for somebody sharp. Somebody's got it together. Right? They got their spiritual life together. Right? They got their material life together. They got their finances together. They're not going to bring a bunch of debt into this new relationship. They're going to bring a bunch of money. You're not going to teach them how to dress themselves. They already know. You're not going to have to teach them about personal hygiene. They're already clean and neat and sharp. Phyllis, you've heard her tell it. The reason she took a second look at me back in school was because I took my denim jacket off and folded it instead of threw it in the floor. Made her take another look at me. Guys, are you listening? (laughs) A little bit of diligence can go a long ways. <laughs> I need you to back up. Where are you? I need you to go to First Timothy five. This is big, and and I, I don't want to take all night doing it. I'm I'm trying to narrow it down. So First Timothy five. Are you there? First Timothy five. Well, this is a whole lesson right here, but. Help us, Lord. Verse 4. If any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to require their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. 
Skip down to verse 10. Well, verse 9. Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man, well reported of for good works. If she's brought up children, if she's lodged strangers, she's washed the saints' feet, if she's relieved the afflicted, if she has what? Diligently followed every good work. Now, do you know what he's talking about in this passage? A financial aid. He's talking about financially helping people. In this case, widows. And what he is saying is you don't just help them because they are a widow. There is this whole structure now about financial aid based simply on need. And there are people that go from church to church milking them. Do you know that? Church to church. We help people all the time around here. Talking about individuals and families. But when they asked me in the beginning of this, you know, what, what criteria? Do we help everybody the same? What do we do? The Lord gave me something just like that. This scripture came to me and another scripture came to me. The other scripture is, if you don't work, you don't eat. You shouldn't eat. So I, we asked the question, what are they doing about work? Now, it's possible a man or a woman can have difficulty through no fault of their own. And it's not that you're not, you're willing to work if you had to work. But see, there are people who have opportunity to work and they're not willing. I mean, they'd rather do nothing and, and wait on you to pay everything than to do something that doesn't pay enough per hour. Or something they feel is beneath them. Did you hear this now? You should not help these folks. You should not give them your money. The Bible tells you not to. Yeah, but they need it. Let them work. God would let them get hungry if you'd stay out of his way. Until they'd humble themselves and do what they need to do. So number one, what are they doing about work? Were they working? Are they trying to work? Are they looking for work? And then secondly, where's their family? This is not my idea. This is Bible. We just got through reading this. Where's their family? If none of their family wants anything to do with them, none of them's willing to even give them a meal, something's wrong. Y'all are too quiet. You want to answer these questions before you just start pulling that money and handing it to people. We're responsible for the money in this church. That's your tithes and offerings. Right? Do you want us to hand it out to everybody that's running a scam coming by? No. So we need to know these things. People come in, want you to hand them a bunch of money. We say, have a seat. (laughs) To help us out here. What about your work? Sometimes people look at you like you slapped them with a wet dish rag when you ask about work. <laughs> work? <laughs> well, I, I, I'd like a job. And we think, you have come to the right place because yes. we know of a bunch of jobs. Yes. <laughs> and if people are sincere, you tell them about a job, you know, sweeping the floor or flipping a burger, they're excited. Yes, if they look at you and go, well, uh, no, no, that's not. 
you know, I've got two degrees. <laughs> well, that's all wonderful, but you ain't got no money. <laughs> Those degrees ain't feeding your babies right now. You, you best do what you got to do. Right? Do what you need to do. If the apostle Paul could build tents while he's holding meetings. An apostle who's seen the head of the church. Been caught up to heaven. Right? If he can get his hands dirty and build a tent. Then anybody else can do anything else. Right? Do what you need to do. Well, I'm believing God. Great. (laughs) Work while you're believing. Do something in the meantime. Show that you believe in God. Now, 1 Timothy 5, you still there? Verse 10, if she's diligently followed every good work, but the widows, younger widows, refuse. What does it mean, refuse? Don't support them. Yeah, but they're a widow. Yeah, but don't support them. Why? They need to go to work. Some of them may marry again. They don't just need to get on the welfare system. When they begun wax wanton against Christ, they'll marry, having damnation because they've cast off their first faith. And withal, they learn to be idle. Somebody say idle. That's the opposite of diligent. Wandering about from house to house, not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies speaking things which they ought not. What do you do when you don't do anything? Man, I got 15 scriptures to show you on that. What do you do? Maybe we can get into it next week, but there's about four scriptures in Proverbs alone that says the desire of the lazy person kills them. What does that mean? All day long, they long for something but their hands refuse to work. What do you do when you don't do anything? You got all this time on your hands. What do you do? What do you do? You think about you. It's one of the benefits of being busy on a legitimate job. Right? You're thinking about the customer. You're thinking about the machine. You're thinking about the, the inventory. You're thinking about uh, balancing the day. You're thinking, and all the time you're thinking about all that, you are not thinking about you. And what you don't have. And what you can't do. And what nobody will help you with. Come on, can you see this? But when you don't do anything, you got all day. To lay around and think about how you'd like to have that new car. Oh man, you'd like to have that. And how you'd like to take a trip and a vacation to an island. And how you'd like to have a big house. And how you'd like to, and doing absolutely nothing to get it. Just want it. I want it. And dream about it. Think about it. And watch TV. And see the fancy cars. And the big houses. And the lifestyles of the rich and famous. (laughs) And you can think about what it would be like for me to have that. And 
and do that. People that sit around all day and think about the nice cars and houses, never get them. Never. The people that get them, they're thinking all day about drill bits. Plastic bags. New computer product. New software product. Come on, are you listening to me or not? They are busy focusing on their business. Come on now. And as they do and prosper and are successful, they look up one day and realize, I can buy one of them. I can get one of those. I knew, but they did not sit around thinking about that $100,000 car for 10 years and poof, one appeared in their driveway. Huh? He said they learned to be idle and they wander around from house to house and prophesy over each other and pray for each other. All day and all night, and then have to ask brothers, other brothers and sisters, to give them rent money because their ministry's taking all their time. They ain't got time to work, but God's not providing for them, and they can't figure that out. I guess that was too close to home. <laughs> the word here that's translated. Busybody means to be working round about instead of at one's own business. To be meddling with, bustling about other people's matters and not taking care of your own. Another uh, translation of it is some who are not busied in their own business but are over busied in others. That's what a busy body is. They're they're not taking care of their own business. Where are you now? First Timothy. Go to Proverbs 3 and I think I'll close tonight. I think we've had all we can take. (laughs) Whether that's all there is or not, you know that's not all there is, but... uh, I think we've had all we can take tonight. <laughs> What's our two phrases tonight? If you just get these two things. Huh? Do it now. And do it well. Of course, if you should be doing it. You need to get that first. But if you, if you should be doing it, and you know you're supposed to do it, don't put it off. Don't defer. Deferring, procrastinating is the opposite and the lack of diligence. One of the words for diligence is promptly. Somebody say promptly. Promptly, speedily. You see this principle in Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3. Thank you, Lord, for helping us through tonight. You know, sometimes things... Like we were saying earlier, you don't know the full impact of them in your spirit. You heard them, they passed over your ears and through your mind, but you don't know what it did in your spirit. I believe these words will come back up in you. 
next week and next year. Because hmm? they're not my words. They'll come back up in you. And maybe in, you know, before this, uh, you might have let something go or you might have not given something everything you could have. But now it will ring in your ears and you'll say, I'm going to do this as unto the Lord. I'm going to do it now. I'm not going to put it off. I'm going to do it now. I'm going to do it now. And I'm going to do it well. You know, doing it now can save your life. Instead of putting it off. It can. Some things are not that serious if you don't do it now. You know, two or three days later, it's not going to be that big of a deal. But some things, you won't have the opportunity tomorrow. And it could be too late. And you not know that. Proverbs 3, this is another area, but it all flows together. Proverbs 3 and 27. What does it say? Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do it. Say not. In other words, don't say this to your neighbor. Go and come again and tomorrow I will give when you have it by you. You can do it now. Well, why are you putting it off? He said, don't do that. Another, the NIV says, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in the power, your power to act. Don't say to your neighbor, come back later. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll give it tomorrow when you now have it with you. We don't know about tomorrow. Do we? We don't know. There's some things the Lord allowed me to do. For both, I'm thinking right now about my, my natural dad. And my spiritual dad. That the Lord allowed me to be a part of and do for them materially. I'm so glad I didn't wait. They're both gone. Are you with me? When the Lord puts something on your heart. And it's within your power. Tell me the two two phrases. Huh? Do it now. And do it well. Your hand has found something to do today. Oh, it might not be the most spectacular thing in all the world, but you can do it now. Right? What do we do? Don't keep waiting for something bigger and better. Don't keep pushing it off into the imaginary future. One of these days, Lord, help me to get this out. One of these days, we're going to do all this stuff. No, do what you can do now. What you can do now, do it now. And do it the best you can. See, it's a lie of the devil. Well, I, I want to be able to do bigger than that. So I'll just wait till I can do the, the, the big thing. That's pride. And it's a lack of faith. And how do you know you're going to have the opportunity to do it next week or next month? Or next? You don't know. You don't know. When it's in the power of your hand to do it. And you know in your heart it's right to do it. Don't say tomorrow. Say, hey, I need to talk to you. (laughs) I need to talk to you today. I need to see you now. We got something to do now. And well. Stand on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.